Hello and welcome to the Cafe Bitcoin Podcast, brought to you by Swan Bitcoin, the best way to buy and learn about Bitcoin. I am your host, Alex Danzig, and we're excited to announce that we are bringing the Cafe Bitcoin conversation from Twitter Spaces to you on this show, the Cafe Bitcoin Podcast, Monday through Friday, every week. Join us as we speak to guests like Max Kaiser, Lynn Alden, Tomer Strolight, Corey Clipston, and many others from the Bitcoin space. Also, be sure to hit that subscribe button to make sure you get notifications when we launch a new episode, or you can join us live on Twitter Spaces, Monday through Friday, starting at 7 a.m. Pacific, 10 a.m. Eastern, every morning and become part of the conversation yourself. Thank you again. We look forward to giving you the best Bitcoin content daily here on the Cafe Bitcoin Podcast. Swan Cannon's up. It's pure signal of information, swanbitcoin.com slash cannon. Go check that out. It's curated by uh, thought leaders in Bitcoin who, whatever their specialty is, like whether it's security or custody or various other topics, uh, people will curate the signal for you. So, you you know, the thing with Bitcoin is, is that it crosses so many disciplines. Uh I don't know, economics, monetary history, monetary theory, human behavior, cryptography, mathematics, obviously economics, geopolitics, computer science. What am I missing? Forget anything. It's just, it's amazing how many disciplines it crosses. And then, and you know, there's a saying that you study something for an hour you really don't know anything about it 100 hours you're kind of starting to scratch the surface thousand hours you're basically like a journeyman 10,000 hours for mastery right so if you want mastery in every single one of those disciplines that's a long journey but the point is nobody a lot of people don't have time for all that so what do you do you look for signal you find people who are sort of have done the heavy lifting to master a particular subject that you trust their perspective and uh, they can help you identify the signal. We were just talking about that, Jimmy, before you hopped in here about how CPI is no longer what I consider signal. It's just noise. Well, I, I, I don't know if it's not signal. It's just a manipulated metric. But the fact that it's at 7.9 and rising it, is saying something, I think. Um, you know, you just look at the broader trend here. CPI was, what, 2 3% just a couple of years ago. It's now 7.9. Yeah. That, that has a lot of people concerned. Um, 8% inflation or CPI, uh, that, that's a big deal because uh, you know, they can't keep it down. They have all of these measures that they can manipulate it with. Um, there's something called the hedonic goods adjustment and the hedonic quality adjustment. Both of those things are sort of like fudge factors that they can use to lower the CPI as much as they can. They're lowering it as much as they can. It's still coming out at 8%. That tells you like it's the entire economy. Everything is going up. You can't just um, you know, substitute one good for another and get away with like a lower, lower number. There's so much stuff that's going up at once that they can't they can't hide the inflation anymore. So um, we're we're at a point where you know they're in a they're in between like a rock and a hard place where they can sort of, you know, manipulate, uh, try to manipulate, keep it down. But if, if you know, it's still going to be like five, six, seven, eight percent, then 
there's no real point. Maybe it's their intention to let it get up. And like, honestly, like part of what, uh, you know, my perspective on this is that the entire Ukraine conflict is a good way to like blame a lot of this stuff on something external. Um, and, you know, they, it, it feels like the U.S. has been pushing buttons to make that happen. Um, but I, I don't know. Like, it, it's uh, the entire inflation thing definitely matters. And everyone sees it. And, you know, who are you going to believe? Like, the government or your lying eyes or something like that. That, that. That's where we are at at this point. You, you can't get away from this inflation number. Everyone knows about it. Um, they're having to acknowledge reality, which is bad news for them because uh, inflation really sucks. I mean, 8%, like this is according to CPI. I, the real number is probably like 30 or 40. So like that that's really sucky. Uh, and people are going to take notice. And, you know, I, it feels like the start of the 70s again when, you know, you had it really does. You know, some significant uh, stagflation the entire decade. You, you know, the... I, I'm sure you guys have seen that like McDonald's picture from like 1971 or 1972. You had like yep. coffee for yep. 12 cents or something. And, and it's like, okay, like it makes sense if you calculate it back using inflation. It's like that was a significantly more money than like the 12 cents would indicate. I think I did the math the other day and it's like um, you just multiply everything by like 28 and you'll get basically like a reasonable price in today's prices or something like that. So it's crazy. I have yeah, this little which picture is on, on my screen right now. I pulled this out of an article that Mark Moss did the other day mm. um, and he got it from somewhere else. But in 1970, new houses were $23,450. The average annual income was $9,000. Mm-hmm. You could buy a new car for $3,450. Mm-hmm. A movie ticket was $1.55. Man, I remember that. I remember as a kid being able to buy a movie ticket for so little dating myself or, here. Or remember getting like Coke from a Coke machine for a quarter, you know, like that That yeah. used to be a thing or whatever. It used to be a thing. That's great. Gasoline yeah. in 70 was 36 cents a gallon. Yeah, when I first started driving, it was like 90 cents. It's not that anymore. It's definitely not that anymore. <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing. It's um, all those prices, you have to adjust according to the actual um, numbers that, or the, you know, the monetary expansion and at least CPI. So, you adjust them, they end up actually like reasonable numbers. The only reason why we're shocked is because we have this false equivalence between a dollar back then and a dollar now. And th- that's horrible. <laughs> like that's not how you're supposed to compare them. So mentally, everything is off because we, we have this constantly uh, inflating supply of dollars. Uh, and we, we never take the denominator into account when we're doing these price comparisons. Um, and that, that's, that's, a, that's a real secret behind monetary expansion and inflation in general is that it never takes the denominator into account. We're just trained to look at the numerator only. Um, and, uh, you know, th- this is the beauty of Bitcoin. You have a constant denominator. You can do that over time and see that 
innovations and efficiency gains and things like that uh, have a natural deflation to prices. Uh, and even even stuff like, you know, gas being 30 something cents, if you multiply that by like 20 something, it's that's how what what a portion of uh, a dollar meant back then. So if you if you take the denominator into account, suddenly it's like, oh, gas has actually gotten a lot cheaper, even at seven bucks. Um, you know, multiply 35 cents by 28. It's like that's going to be over 10 bucks. So even if you're in California, actually, the gas prices have gone down with respect to monetary expansion because processes have become more efficient and everything else. It's just we have this different mentality because the numerator keeps going up and nobody thinks about the denominator. And that's, uh, you know, even housing prices, salaries, all well, Salaries have probably, you know, gone down with respect to that. And so, like, that's something that they're hiding from you. Oh, look how much you're making uh, versus your grandparents or something like that. And it's like, well, actually, our grandparents made more money. It's, uh, it's just that we don't understand that because we don't take the denominator. This is the perniciousness of inflation. Yeah, it's just one of those things. Very few people's brains work mathematically. Right. Most people just don't even think stuff like that. It's the reason why inflation's effective as a, as a tool of, of siphoning wealth, because for the most part, unless it's at the numbers that it is right now, I mean, people don't even notice it. It's just the slow ratchet function over time. People get on that hamster wheel every day, and this is what people think about. I got to get up. I got to get on the hamster wheel. I got to run as fast as I can or as much as I can. Because prices are going up and the things that I want are running away from me. So I have to run faster and faster and faster for longer and longer and larger, longer and harder and harder and got to make more money. And then they get off and they're exhausted and they go home and they watch TV and they fall asleep and they get up and they do it again the next day. And, you know, a lot of people don't have the luxury to even, in terms of energy, really even think about it deeply. I mean, that's shoot. a really good point. Yeah. Well, not just not think about it. They're never taught about this stuff. They, you know, like, how are you supposed to like have a yeah. good measure it's of it really unless nobody. you have something that's sort of constant, right? It's we we now hard. have that with Bitcoin. We can we can see it because we have a constant uh, supply of Bitcoin and it's not inflating or what whatever. Um, I, you could sort of like measure in gold or whatever, and if you Measure all of that stuff in the number of gold ounces. So 35 cents per gallon, that's about one one hundredth of an ounce of gold. What's one one hundredth of an ounce of gold right now? That's about $20. So that, that was actually very expensive back in 1970, if you, if you look at it with the denominator or like in terms of gold. Uh, and that, that's, that's, you know, that's a way in which we can think about it. Unfortunately... You know, we're we're taught in school about money, and it's like, okay, this if if dollars are your unit of account, you don't see the actual natural deflation that's going on unless it's like high tech, like phones or um, you know laptops or something like that. And you don't you don't see that you know housing prices have gone down because they're using cheaper materials, and and you know they have some efficiencies built in and stuff like that. But there there's so much stuff where. Things have just gotten a lot worse in quality. 
or you know they're they're not or, or there's and or there's also like technological improvement that makes a lot of that stuff possible that we just don't see at all because you know the government is basically in the middle like collecting rents from a lot of these things through inflation they're they're able to issue more currency and they use that to buy votes basically it's it's horrible yeah i would you know the thing about we're not taught this stuff like <clears throat> that's true like you know this is the thing that i learned from the gold industry if you want the truth you need to seek it out and find it most of this kind of stuff is withheld from the general public and i i suspect it's intentional like if you ever if you ever, I, I had a chance to talk to Lord Fusatua, who's from Tonga, and like, he, you know, his view is like a lot of these kind of sort of things that we've figured out, a lot of that's held back intentionally. And I think he's right. But regardless, other news items, things that are going on. Um, there's this little blurb about Bitcoin ATMs have been forced to shut down mostly because they're not, they're illegal for not registering with the UK. The only comment I've got about that is, is that I think licensing is bullshit across the board. I think we should repeal all licensing. It's ridiculous. It's a mechanism of control. Some people are going to argue, well, you should have licenses so people, you know, don't do things that are dangerous and they're not qualified to do it. Okay. That's kind of fair. But at the same time, the flip side of that is, is that those licenses that can then be turned against you and used against you to control you. Like if it has to do with your way of making money, Dr. Jeff, you're a doctor, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You either do what the fuck they tell you to, or they take away your license. Guess what? You can't make money anymore. The same is true for all forms of licensing, KYC, you know, all, all that stuff. It's uh, it's government inserting themselves in private transactions. And that that's just an anathema. Uh, why does the government have to be in the middle? Uh, and it's always like a tool to control people. And if they insert themselves in the middle of every transaction, they can collect rent. Um, and that's they, they do often in form in the form of taxes. They want to get into the middle of every bilateral transaction, which like in any economy that that's adding friction. It makes everything worse. Uh, yet people stand for it because they're like, oh, but terrorism, child pornography or whatever. It's always the justification for government inserting itself on all these things. Right. And it's a it's a horrible mentality to get in because then they're in the middle of absolutely everything. And this is this is the. Uh, the perniciousness of fiat money is that they're in the middle of every transaction by default because you know you you have the banking system that they control uh you know bitcoin obviously they they're not in the middle of they're trying to insert themselves in the middle of these and that's that's terrible and we should fight that because it takes away the utility of bitcoin but that said the nice thing is there are different jurisdictions if they want to go down that route then those things aren't they're they're gonna have a premium or whatever because they're collecting rent. And people will instead go to decentralized markets and use uh peer-to-peer -peer, uh exchanges or whatever instead of these officially sanctioned ones. And that's good, uh, because that that's where we want people to be. Remember when uh 
you know, China banned all those exchanges. That's where people went. They started going on local Bitcoins and they banned local Bitcoins. And then when they banned local Bitcoins, they were like, okay, well, we'll do our own WeChat and Telegram groups and like find people ourselves. And that, that, that's what ended up happening. You want those very, uh, or, you know, peer-to-peer markets to come online because those are the places that are going to be the most resilient against government intervention. Because as we've seen, you know, Coinbase, you know, banned 25,000 Russian accounts or something like that. Um, That that sort of thing is going to constantly happen. And uh, the myth that Ethereum is decentralized, like came to the forefront when, uh, what was it, Infura, like refused service to Russia and OpenSea just basically took away any NFTs owned by um, Russians or something like that. This, this is happening. MetaMask yeah. too. Yeah, yeah, MetaMask. A bunch of people, yeah. Yeah, so th- this is happening, right? And you, this is, this is what Bitcoin was built for. This is... This is our moment, and we're going to see, uh, you know, a lot of these places use it. It's the money of met- enemies. You can't stop it. There's nobody in the middle. These governments are going to try to insert themselves into the middle, but that's just going to get people to go underground or somewhere else. Um, and every every country has black markets for that reason, because the government wants to insert itself into these commerce things. And people are like, well, I don't want you in the because you're just taxing it, essentially. I'd rather go and have bilateral trade, uh, just, you know, want to peer to peer with somebody else. And if you have that ability, then that's going to be much better for you. So um, and, you know, you're 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 not going to get screwed over by the government. This this is why black markets develop. And that that's a very good thing, because, you know, it like it or not, that this is how a lot of societies survive. You know, you, it, uh, almost every country with high inflating currency, like uh, you, you have the government coming in trying to be in the middle. Uh, and when you take that government ability away through black markets, well, that, that's, that's where things thrive uh, because people don't like having government there to sort of be that nanny or the intermediary or the trusted third party who's taxing. Uh, it's a security hole in every sense of the word. Yeah. A couple quick shout outs. We've got Stacy Herbert in the audience. Stacy, I'm shooting you an invite if you want to come up and speak. And then also Corey is in the audience. And Sam, I'm throwing you an invite as well. Sam Callahan. Uh, Corey Clifton likes to tell the story jimmy like he was at a conference i don't recall which one it was but then he sat down with you and you helped him understand that altcoins are not the best thing to be in <laughs> you converted him that story yeah um, i i i think it was uh it, it was like it was like a blockchain conference in LA or something like that. And we were like sitting on the lawn. And I, I the, the thing I remember about that moment was there was this, um, I think they call them sparkle ponies or something like this woman dressed outlandishly, um, like just like very low cut, like underwear, basically, I guess, or with, <laughs> and she, sparkle. 
Sparkle ponies. That's so yeah, damn funny. yeah. Well, I, I, that that's the term I heard. I, I've never been to Burning Man or something or whatever, but that's what I hear. Those people are. It's a sparkle pony. It's somebody that's dressed dressed very provocatively, but doesn't plan for anything. Uh, so they go to Burning Man, just sort of like dressed, you know, like kind of like you know, really provocatively, and then. They just sort of depend on other people to take care of them um, and give them all the stuff that they need or whatever. So there was a woman that was just sort of like performing out there, I guess, or I, I don't know. She, she was clearly looking for attention and I was looking away and Corey was there and we got into a conversation. That, that's what I remember about that. I, I'm sure Corey has a, I don't know if you remember that woman. I had to come up for this. I've, I've told the story and I remember it's actually more memorable what your face looked like. The, the look of utter disgust at something that was behind me. The woman that you're speaking of can only be the legendary Geostar. And anyone who's been around Bitcoin and crypto for a few years. Do you remember this was the one? Oh God, what did they do? It was this guy named Sean Ironstag and... She called herself Geostar, and they had this like crazy video to pump some altcoin that became like a hilarious meme about three years ago. Anyway, that, that ended up being who that was, and she was supposedly giving like horoscope based financial advice to billionaires, <laughs> all this crazy stuff. I think you got the Burning Man part right. I think that definitely, I think that part was definitely in the mix. Uh, but yeah, pretty funny. And yeah, what a, what a great, I, I, what a that great was so surreal because it was, it, I, I've never seen anything like that before. And there's this one, like she was doing like, I, I, I don't know if she was dancing or something. There wasn't any music playing. And then like, like Tone Vase did like some research on combat that she was writing a white paper for some, uh, some ICO or something. And, like you know she had like zero experience on anything and it was just she was just sort of like promoting something or i it, it was such a crazy time because you had people like her in the industry that were trying to get influence or something i guess i like it was so confusing that this woman with zero experience doing anything is somehow promoting an ico and making money uh and it you know like her claim to fame was dressing provocatively basically and that was it and i guess she got a lot of thirsty men to like subscribe to her icos it, it was it was just such a surreal thing but that's that's the environment in which uh Corey <laughs> she guaranteed there are like 50 of her doing nfts right now yeah, I'm, I'm sure of it. Uh, and how somebody like that does anything, like how anyone thinks that people like that contribute anything but, you know, extract resources from this community is like beyond me. It's like, it's yeah, so right. obvious. She doesn't add any value to anybody yet. Yeah, I mean, you know, apparently. Apparently, she, she added value. I got to get this in. I mean, you know, you come for the Geo Star and you uh, you stay for the Jimmy song. So, I guess crypto <laughs> conferences are actually awesome sometimes, as long as there's some good Bitcoiners there. It's so dang funny. Yeah. This is this is the crucible 
in which Bitcoiners are, are forged, apparently. So dang funny. Yeah. Love that, that story. That, Thanks that for hearing. Yeah, I, I, I think uh, a lot of those people are in Miami, just, just saying. Yeah, that's oh, our gravity just shifted to the other side of the country. <laughs> They're not only in Miami uh, permanently now. Uh, anyone who's not living there is going to descend upon uh, Miami for any conference, Bitcoin or otherwise. So insane. So insane. Well, a lot of people might uh, end up in Bitcoin because of shitcoiners are going to those sort of conferences with half naked uh, women. And um, I think, you know, in terms of how I feel right now, it's like the past few weeks have been quite extraordinary making the case for Bitcoin on a global, historic geopolitical uh, front in terms of monetary, uh, you know, policy and systems and infrastructure. So um, I'm glad over the past few years that we've seen such an explosion of great philosophical and, uh, you know, Bitcoin podcasting and the likes of Jimmy Song making the, the philosophical and moral case for Bitcoin, because I think it came at the right time to prepare many people for this moment in history, whoever, you know, expected it to happen so fast. Uh, you know, this is this is the time for Bitcoin to shine. So, Jimmy, thank you for uh, your work on on the philosophical moral case for Bitcoin. Thank you, Stacy. You're so sweet. Uh, but yeah, I, I, obviously, uh, Max and Stacy have been instrumental in telling people about Bitcoin and uh, and you know getting a lot of people orange pilled. Um, Stacy, I wanted to ask you how how is it for you guys, especially with the whole RT situation? Well, you know, uh, we quit like that as soon as that happened. Um, uh, our situation is that we uh, we work for Associated Press, right, which is probably the most prestigious news organization in the world and the oldest, certainly. Uh, it started at Custer's Last Stand. So uh, we only ever uh, had a contract with them. So, uh, you know, we were kind of outside of that all. But, you know, um, just none of this makes sense to me. Like, none of it. I don't understand on the uh, Putin side, like, why he spent 20 years paying down tens of billions of dollars of, of national debt on their side, owed back the Soviet times, uh, pay that all that down, built up these reserves. That's like, suggests like some sort of uh, low time preference, right? That he's like building for the future. Um, and then blows it all, returns the nation back to the 1990s, which was when I first, um, you know, I used to work at a film sales and distribution company. So, uh, you know, we had a lot of contracts with uh, Russian companies back in the 90s when the ruble collapsed. And it was absolute chaos if anybody uh, you know you had to be around to understand just how dangerous and fucked up that place was but kind of just deciding on a whim seemingly to just return everything back to then is uh, I, I can't even comprehend it it doesn't add up to me but then our response of just like nuking the entire global financial system seems <laughs> equally deranged so I 
really can't make any sense of this other than to say like this is a spaghettification. We've crossed the event horizon and everybody has agreed to just like uh, burn this whole thing down because it doesn't make any rational sense to me. It's almost like they want a great reset. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe almost, right? What well, a thought. What you were just saying, Stacey, though, is really like, I agree 100%. I think people, a lot of people are not grasping how significant all this stuff is. It's basically taking the entire legacy monetary system and flushing it down the toilet all at once. Like, there was that one report by Credit Suisse recently that were the analyst was saying that after this war, money will never be the same. And uh, I think that's right. Like, the idea of fiat paper being basically completely fucking worthless because it can be frozen um, or, you know, separated from trade with other nations at a time like this is just, it's an amazing window into into the future yeah i agree i that's why i don't understand why like uh, i'm really nervous i uh, it seems weird to go onto twitter and people don't seem to really understand and comprehend what has actually happened except for you know that guy zoltan from credit swiss like if if everybody reads that they you know they would have a deeper understanding of what's going on the only thing as well that like if you look historically we have like nonstop cycles of globalization as one power is like you know achieving supremacy like an empire uh, and we've had that certainly under um, the U.S. empire you know it's expanded the globalization more and more free trade and then it always ends in deglobalization dark ages and stuff like that but one thing I, I Max and I were um, you know discussing on a recent uh, podcast is wondering if Bitcoin will kind of fix this in that it doesn't stop it, but it makes that deglobalization period shorter um, because communication and trade can still continue. Um, and we don't need to go into a total dark ages and we can find consensus. We can find some sort of harmony uh, with each other all over the world on Bitcoin. Yeah. I 100% agree. We've actually been kind of rapping about that in this space over the last week or so where, you know, if you see a situation where essentially nations are counterparties with each other when it comes to paper money, and um, when they stop trusting their counterparties, they go back to reset, which is gold. And historically, in times like this, gold becomes money again. It's the reason nations keep it on their balance sheets, the big ones anyway. but. The problem with that, that has always been, is, is that you've got to move it and you've got to settle it securely, right? Which is why they, you know, in times like this, governments are moving gold in tanks, not on airplanes. Um, and it has to actually get to its destination, right? Where with Bitcoin, uh, so, so once after this nonsense is over, right, the war is done, um, and countries want to trade with each other again, they need a medium to do that with, right? Well, Bitcoin is obviously the clear leader in, in that space. It's an amazing opportunity. The timing is, is incredible. Yeah, in a way, I just wish there was had been more time for, um, you know, 
individuals around the world to uh, you know stack sats and accumulate some Bitcoin. Uh, that's one you know legacy of our show being broadcast especially into Latin America for a long time for the past year, by the way, um, one of the reasons why we were, you know, we were getting busier and busier with orange pill podcast stuff. And we, we had planned on leaving. And then one thing that happened was our show started being broadcast into Cuba on their state television. And, um, suddenly like hundreds and hundreds of Cubans just showed up in our telegram group. And I was like, what is happening? Uh, I didn't understand what had happened. I didn't know that we were being broadcast into there. Um, and all of them joined by the way. And they all said, Hey, what do you think of this trust investing? So, um, they were already being plundered by some big MLM sort of scam thing. I don't know what it was, but you know, we did an episode, a special episode about that. And we told uh, Cubans to um, back out of that, that it was a scam. And that became news in Cuba, apparently. I don't know. You know, it's kind of closed off economy. But um, yeah, like saving, you know, the I just I just hope like there's enough people with enough Bitcoin and understand it. And, you know, I think the move that El Salvador made, I feel happy that you know, when you go there and meet the people, I feel like, you know, this is their time. And I hope it's uh, everybody is ready for this and that the right people are ready for this because, you know, it, it just can't be um, the people who benefited all these years from Cantillion effect. Um, I, I, I just uh, let's see what happens. But uh, thank God for Bitcoin and all the Bitcoin podcasters out there. And it's not too late, guys. It's not too late. The Bitcoin price is currently 39848 Pull the trigger. Stack. If you're wondering, if you're waiting, if you're on the fence, just do it. And if you're not sure whether you should do it, go to the Bitcoin conference. You'll figure it out. Promise. Let's do a couple of quick announcements, and then let's dig in with uh, Jimmy and JM. They've got an announcement that they want to make, and like to talk a little bit about you guys' book, too. So... Um, Couple of quick items. You're listening to Cafe Bitcoin. Welcome. Good morning. We do this every day, Monday through Friday. We start at 7 a.m. Pacific. We roll for two hours, talk about all things Bitcoin. It is the place to get your Bitcoin news in the morning. It's also becoming a preferred hangout for some of the sharpest minds in Bitcoin. Just drop in, hang out. Like Stacy today, Jimmy, and many others who just stop by, talk about things that are going on. It's also a, a podcast. It's up on Spotify and Apple. You can throw a follow to Swan Bitcoin to be notified of when that drops. If you want a job working in Bitcoin, go to bitcoinerjobs.com. If you're a company that's hiring, bitcoinerjobs.com. Quick little plug for Swan. We are we accept customers internationally. If you're from the MENA region, if you're from North Africa, other parts of Africa, South America, North America, you're, it doesn't matter. There's only a small handful of countries we, we can't serve, but most we can. So we knew that if you have a business you want to buy Bitcoin, with, we can do that too. We have the fastest onboarding in the industry. Horror stories, people, four to six weeks, four, you know, three months, four months. We're doing it in under a week, guys. Um, yeah, let's dig in with Jimmy and JM. Jimmy, you've got the floor. You've got a big announcement for uh, this conference um, we've got coming up, Bitcoin 2022. 
it's going to be an amazing time. I know a lot of people um, here are going to be there and uh, look look forward to having you there too. You can use promo code SWAN, by the way, for 10% off. If you want to get a Bitcoin 2022 ticket and you haven't yet, you can do that. Jimmy? All right. Well, our announcement is that we are going to have a satellite event, a Christian Bitcoin mini conference on April 6th. So this is uh, the Thank God for Bitcoin conference. Uh, we did a prayer breakfast last year. It went really well. Uh, you know, I, I booked out a little restaurant and we actually had breakfast. It turns out that there were a lot more people that wanted to attend. So we are increasing uh, the size and scope of this event to be more of a conference. And we're going to do it all day on April 6th. And it's uh, going to be uh, in a venue, uh, which uh, JM can talk about. But basically, we had a really good time last year. Uh, people found it very useful um, and encouraging, uh, especially if you're a Christian in this space. And, you know, the city of Miami can be, let's just say, not the most um, clean place, if you catch my meaning. Uh, and it, it's it's great to sort of like hook up with other uh, or like meet other uh, Christian Bitcoiners and uh, learn from them and get to know them and have some people to navigate the other two days of the conference, which is going to have upwards of 30,000 people. Uh, and that's that's the idea behind this conference. Um, Jordan, do you want to add some more details as to what's going on and what, what the vision of this thing is? Yeah, man. Hey, I appreciate you all having us on here. Um, yeah, we, again, like Jimmy mentioned, we have been you know thinking since the conference last year and the the um, the prayer breakfast got such a, a you know wide reception and um, we had a, a bunch of people basically saying that they you know wish they could have come and so we were we've been thinking throughout the last year you know what could we do and so the idea of a conference came up um, and basically just the the whole I mean for for a lot of the audience some of the audience maybe this seems like a weird thing like this the the idea of you know Christianity and Bitcoin that you know we get pushed back on that and, t and totally understand that just given the the breadth of people's experience with what, you know, what it means to be a Christian and, you know, maybe some of their personal experiences. Um, but basically what we just want to do is just have a, have a day where, you know, we explore in, um, in a lot of depth, just the, um, the philosophical and, you know, biblical foundations. Um, just why, why does like, what does money have to do with, with religion? What does money have to do with loving your neighbor um, which is, you know, one of the two core tenets of what it you know means to be a Christian is loving God and loving your neighbor. Um, and so we obviously, as having written the book, Thank God for Bitcoin, we see that th these two things is intimately, um, I mean, these things have everything to do with each other. Um, and so if we, if we see, you know, a world where uh, the poor are being oppressed by the rich using, you know, currency, and we have the opportunity to do something about it, then we want to do everything we can. Um, so we're going to explore just, you know, the, the foundations of money as, you know, in more detail than maybe we got to go into um, from the biblical standpoint in our book. We want to go into, you know, what are some people we're going to have a bunch of panel speakers and, and keynote speakers, uh, people from different walks of life and, and work and just people who are who are working within the Bitcoin space to um, to serve people in all different walks of life. We're going to have uh, Mike from Bitcoin Beach is going to be speaking. Um, Dr. Jeff Ross is going to be speaking. 
Uh, we just have a bunch of people, uh, people who started um, who started businesses who are running their businesses on a Bitcoin standard. Um, you know, uh, different people who are doing um, different ministries. I mean, there's missionaries who are obviously Mike. You know, used Bitcoin. Uh, he was his first. The reason why he was in El Salvador was as a missionary. Um, and so we're gonna just gonna be talking about those things, exploring them in more depth. Um, and just really looking forward to, you know, to being there and, you know, exploring these things. We're going to be recording um, the, the, the sessions, given that we're, we're kind of capping, given that this is the first time and given that, you know, we're, none of us are actually based in Miami and, and just the logistics of everything. We, we decided to cap the conference at 200 people this year. Um, and then with the, the eventual goal, Lord willing, of being able to, you know, increase and, you know, get this to be a bigger event going forward. Um, so yeah, so that's kind of what we're looking at. Um, again, we're going to have the, the website right now. If you guys want to go and get tickets, uh, it's, um, T G F B 2022.com. Um, I just want to give a shout out to David Catrone. David's done an awesome job as far as, um, setting up the website and, you know, the two of us have been you know working to coordinate a lot of the, the details surrounding that. So I just want to thank him for, for his work. And yeah, we're going to have more details on the, on the venue. We're actually working to confirm that today. We've, we've got down, narrowed down to two options and one of them is uh, playing hard to get and not, not getting back to us in a timely manner. So, so we have a venue now, we have a, you know, a venue available, but we're going to have the exact details on it. So get on the website and, you know, we'd love to see you guys. Fantastic. What's the link again? Yep. It's uh, so it's TGFB as in thank God for Bitcoin 2022. 2022.com. Nice. If uh, one of us can get that nested up there, that's awesome. So cool. I'll, I'll try to put it up in the nest. Yeah. I mean, 200, uh, you said you could have, you're going to plan for a max of 200 people? Yeah, that's the plan at this point. Now, again, if if today we get, <laughs> you know, we get, because again, we just don't know how many people are going to be interested. You know, we're imagining that there's going to be, you know, a certain number. But again, if we get like overwhelmed with, you know, 300 people signing up, well, then, and we'll have to, we'll have to do, you know, make some adjustments, but that's our plan at this point. All right, cool. Blow it up guys. Yeah, indeed. Uh, and we're, we're going to, I, I can't tell you how many people came up to me last year after the prayer breakfast. Like it, it made the entire Bitcoin 2021 experience so much better because you got to meet some people beforehand and you can say hi to other people, um, be, you know, during the conference and, uh, have people to hang out with and find out, okay, well, you know, here, here's like an event that I'm going to, or here's a, uh, the session that I'm going to that's interesting and so on. And it, it was a, a wonderful way to get connected to people before the, you know, main conference, which can be quite overwhelming. And if you haven't been to, uh, you know, Bitcoin, or you weren't there at Bitcoin 2021 or even Bitcoin 2019, it's a zoo. There's just so many people and it's hard to connect with people and you feel like kind of lost among a lot of people. So this is a good way to get to know some people. And if you are a fan of the book, um, you know, a lot of us authors are going to be there uh, and there's going to be a lot of different perspectives and uh, seeing things, especially from a biblical Christian perspective, I, I think is fairly unique. And that's the value that we want to bring is getting people to think about this in a different way. Uh, and that's, that's where we're hoping that it serves a sort of like sub community of Bitcoin. Uh, and there's lots of those. Uh, so, you know, we, we want to see more of this happen. I agree. Let me, let me say one thing. I'll let you go, Shane. Uh, 
this conference is going to be huge, right? They're expecting over 30,000 people. So what Jimmy was saying about like feeling like you're in the sea of humanity, making connections, pre-connect before you go there, like hook up with your other Bitcoiners, hop into our telegram for the space. Uh, the link should be in the nest. Sync up with people like obviously be careful, right? You never met anybody before, you know, use your, use your common sense and stuff. Right. But at the same time, it'd probably be super helpful if you know other people going down there. So you don't feel like you're by yourself. That's the whole point of this space and things like, I think what Jimmy's talking about is to make those kind of connections. Go ahead, Jane. Oh, I was just going to ask and, and Jimmy, whether it's you or Jordan, maybe can you book in this a little bit with regards to like, when is it going to start on that day and how long is it going to go for, you know, is it like a nine to three or what's kind of, what's the hour yeah, of the we're, conference? Yep. So the doors are going to open at nine and we're going to start at 10. Um, and then we're going to go all afternoon, you know, till around four or five. So again, nobody, you don't, you don't have to feel the pressure. I mean, some of our, some of our speakers obviously are going to be busy that weekend. So they're not going to be able to be there the whole time, but they're, you know, there's a good number of them, people who you'll know and recognize. And, and even if you don't there, these are high value people. Um, who are producing great content and producing things that are that are really going to add a lot of value to people. Um, so th as long as you can be there and as much time as you can spend with us, we'd love to have you there. Yeah, I, I do want to mention one other thing, um, just as far as again, like the motivation. So when you when you just look at the the amount of money, like again, why why would you want to reach out uniquely to you know to a group of to the Christian you know quote unquote Christian subculture? I mean, the, the amount of money that is given um, to, to charities and to, um, you know, the number of NGOs that exist that are, that are, you know, were at least founded on Christian principles or by Christians for Christian purposes is staggering. Um, and so just the, the amount of people who are, are impacted on a global level by, um, by Christians, by churches, I mean, you're talking billions of dollars that are you know, currently being distributed throughout the world by, you know, largely, you know, American Christians, obviously there's Christians in other places who are doing the same things, but just given the, the wealth of America, like it's, it's this huge group of people and huge um, source of resources that, you know, as, as inflation continues to grow and, and um, you just, as that, as those things get shifted around, I mean, it has, it's a potential for a humongous drain um, not only on, on people within the United States, but also people outside of the United States as well. And so, Again, there's just a lot of issues that aren't intuitive. There's a lot of things that are touched by, as, as you know, I'm guessing a lot of the people in the audience have, have come to know. The longer you're in Bitcoin, the more that you see the, the, the tentacles and the reaches to how far, how far reaching money affects our lives. Um, and so just we're trying to try, you know, we've seen those things and we're trying to get those ideas out there and help people to see the, the consequences, uh, both of money more broadly and then you know, the, the impact that Bitcoin can have. Awesome. Hey, I'm I'm curious, Alex, if I could just um, ask one other quick thing, and, and I'm, I'm going to almost make a joke out of it because I know Dr. Jeff is also speaking, I think, on the main stage at Bitcoin 2022. Do you know or can you give us a hint about what you're going to be speaking on at the Thank God for Bitcoin mini conference? I'm sorry, was that directed at me, Shane? What yeah. Yeah, what are you going to speak on, or can you tell us, or do you know? <laughs> uh, you know, you know, it's funny. I don't know. I'm just happy to to go be a part of it. Like like uh, Jordan was talking about, and Jimmy, like this is kind of going on all day, 
Um, I have other things going on, but I will definitely be there for at least part of it um, just to support it and uh, and to get to know uh, a bunch of the kind of the Christians in the Bitcoin community. I have a real passion for this personally because I just love the fact that Bitcoin is basically true social justice, right? It provides equality to people and it, and it helps to root out out of the uh, a ton of the um, corruption that's in the current fiat world. I just hate it, right? And I just hate the uh, inequality that I see in, in the... Um, and just the way that the current U.S. dollar hegemony—I uh, can't say the word—hegemony uh, just really, um, its corruption just is pervasive throughout the world, and it just really beats people down and beats whole countries down. So, like what happened in El Salvador to me is just fantastic, and I just want to see Bitcoin in the hands of just everybody, especially low-income people around the world, and 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 seeing that social justice—that's what really came out to me. That was almost the biggest thing that came out of last year's conference, even though I, I couldn't. Uh, attend personally. I was watching it from at home while I was doing my radiology stuff. Um, just the social justice aspect of Bitcoin and that it's like equal weights and equal measures and it's non-corrupt. And it's just for Christians, especially who who are concerned about the thought of, um, you know, there's a, a prominent verse that talks about the love of money is the root of all evil or the root of all kinds of evil, uh, depending on how you translate that. What I like to tell people is Bitcoin is just simply better money. You can actually quit thinking about money um, if, if we have a Bitcoin standard, the reason why people have to think so much about money is because it's so corrupt because it's so quickly debasing. People have to do things like figure out how to actually preserve their purchasing power for themselves and for their families over time. And you can't do that in the current monetary system. And it's literally tragic, especially for people who just live paycheck to paycheck. You can't even barely survive on the current system. You have to figure out how to invest your money, how to get into hard assets. And most people, that's simply just beyond their means. They don't have the intellectual capacity to do this thing well. And so they just get hosed year after year after year by the current uh, financial system. So I just have a real passion for this. I'm excited that uh, Jordan and Jimmy are putting this on. Um, to be honest, guys, I haven't even read your book. I just ordered it on Amazon while we were talking, so I'm going to read it before I get there. But I know that I agree with basically everything you guys think about it, and I, I personally do thank God for Bitcoin. So happy to be there. That's awesome. I, I, I want you to read the book. Uh, but yeah, I, it's it's uh, you know we're we're it's still you know being finalized all the all the speakers and stuff like that. So it, you know the program will be set more or less like a little bit before April 6th. Uh, but if you want to network with other Christian Bitcoiners and uh, get to know this particular sub-community of Bitcoin, uh, you know, we're, we're here for that. And, you know, I, uh, Christians are a large part of the U.S., right? Like, they're, they're you know, everywhere I go, every conference I go, I, uh, you know, this, Thank God for Bitcoin is the book that people point to. And it's it, it's... Uh, you know, I've written four books, but that's the one that they're, it's almost always, uh, thank you for writing this book. Which one? I thank God for Bitcoin. And um, and the reason for that is because, you know, this is a sub-community that hasn't really been served that much. Uh, and people don't typically put the two together. And we want to make this a thing. We want to uh, continue growing and shepherding this community into, you know, recognizing Bitcoin for what it is, which is that it's it's a much better money, a much more moral money, a, a money that is not corrupt, not prone to theft, not prone to rent seeking uh, that the fiat money is. And, uh, you know, making this moral argument, I think, is an important part of getting everybody to, 
you know, transition to the Bitcoin standard. It's hugely important. A lot of people don't understand that the money is the absolute foundation of the society. If you have dishonest money, it opens the door for all kinds of corruption. And just the destruction of morality in general, institutions, just look at what's happened to the United States over the last hundred years, arguably, since the since the passing of the Federal Reserve Act and uh, basically the destruction of the U.S. dollar. Mark Moss, good morning. Welcome up. Jason Brett, welcome up. Morning, guys. Hey, morning. Hey, Jimmy. Morning. Just just one other thing real quick, maybe. I, I don't want to take away this announcement, but do you want to talk any about the your contribution to the Bitcoin and the American dream? Yeah, uh, it's uh, it, it's a book that a bunch of us wrote uh, in a week, uh, the week after Thanksgiving, actually. And we wrote it because we wanted to um, help policymakers understand who we were. And it's not like trying to orange pill them necessarily, although there's plenty of arguments in there for that. It's just to get them to understand who we are, because that that's the biggest question that we've gotten out of Washington is, who the heck are you and what do you want? Uh, and even if they disagree with us, uh, like even Elizabeth Warren staffers could use something, uh, can get something out of this because you need to you need to know the space of uh, of people. And I think the latest statistics uh, were you know something like twenty something million people in the U.S. have some exposure to Bitcoin or something to that effect. That's a significant number of people. We're approaching AARP territory, who's like the biggest lobbying group in Washington. So uh, by, by giving this, we're, we're uh, helping a lot of these offices navigate this territory. And we want to make it so that they understand us and know what we want, because oftentimes they like they just don't know anything. They're they're completely ignorant of this stuff. They're you know, I, I think. Uh, Kristen Walker, who's the chief of staff for Senator Lummis, told me a while back that most of these senators, like half of them, if you emailed them a PDF, they wouldn't know how to open it. Like that's how technologically illiterate they are. And you need to really kind of, you know, shepherd them through by reaching their staffers and giving them good resources so that they can make good recommendations to their principals and, and tell them, Hey, here, here's where we think you should be. But we want that like, regardless of whether they're for us or against us, we want them to be informed about it and, and not just be completely ignorant or whatever. And, uh, you know, we have a lot of arguments in there for Democrats, a lot of arguments in there for Republicans. Uh, and, you know, you're probably going to hate at least one chapter, uh, no matter what part of the political spectrum you're a, a part of. But that's kind of the point. We want you to understand that Bitcoin is a very diverse group. And, you know, you might think it's just a bunch of libertarian, anarcho-capitalist, you know, Bitcoin bros or something like that. It's nothing of the kind. The en entirety of chapter two is all about how it's a very diverse group and there's a lot of different constituencies within Bitcoin, which brings us back to thank God for Bitcoin. There are Christian Bitcoiners and there's a lot of them and they're, they're buying Bitcoin, they're storing, saving in Bitcoin because they realize it's better money. Morally, they, they get that 
uh, Bitcoin is something very different. And that's something that we want to encourage and we want to, uh, you know, gain influence in uh, Washington as a result. Hey, Alex, just real quick. Thanks, Jimmy. I think Mike Bitcoin Beach is in the audience, so um, we probably can't see him, but um, maybe Mike, if you want to raise your hand, come on stage. Oh, yeah, we got to get Mike up here. Please get him up here. <laughs> One thing I would add to what uh, Jimmy's talking about, that thank God for Bitcoin, uh, probably uh, probably after the Bitcoin standard, it's my favorite Bitcoin book. And uh, I've given it out to so many people. And I think uh, it, 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 it does break down the moral case for Bitcoin. And, and it, it brought a lot of different insights and perspectives I hadn't thought of, like uh, all money is not neutral. Fiat money is inherently evil. It was a good perspective. It brought a good perspective into work, uh, the the importance of work versus, uh, you know, what theft is and how it destroys communities. And um, I think regardless, you know, whether you believe in God or not, I think, it, you know, I think everybody understands that uh, morality has been breaking down the United States. It's a big problem. And so to see it from that lens with the morality side of it, I mean, it was amazing. It's a pretty easy book. I think it was like four hour read approximately. Um, everybody should read it. I gift it a lot, and uh, I really like it, Jimmy. Mark, you're you're welcome to come to the conference and possibly even be on the panel. I don't know, Jordan. Oh, it, 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 we want him, right? <laughs> no pressure. Yeah, no, Mark. We would love to have you. That'd be awesome. Uh, I jumped in late, so I didn't hear about the conference. Unless you were talking about Bitcoin conference, which of course I will be there. Um, no, that was the announcement this morning. Yeah, the, the ahead, announcement yeah. is we have a thank God for Bitcoin conference, uh, uh, which is right, April sixth, right before the uh, seventh uh, and eighth, which is the big, you know, the two really big days. We, we're having a Christian Bitcoin conference right before. So yeah, we oh, love great. to have you. Yeah. Okay, great. Yeah, I'll. Uh, I'll I'll dig out the info and I'll put it on my calendar. I'll be there all week. The link, by the way, is in the nest. Those are the, the, the uh, website. So. Okay, great. Fantastic. Bitcoin Beach, welcome to the stage. Morning. Morning. I'm super, uh, super excited to hear about this announcement. I mean, this is uh, dear to my heart that our uh, our belief that, that God calls us to, to care for the poor and to be focused on the, the welfare of our neighbors is what drove the whole Bitcoin speech project. I mean, that's from the beginning what it's been about and really driven from our, our deep um, Christian beliefs that we're here on earth to, to first serve God, but, but then to also serve the neighbors and those around us. And so that was from the beginning what really drove um all the initiatives that you know eventually led to this movement across el salvador so um this i think this is this next wave of bitcoin getting away from the the bros and lambos um you know type sentiment to really getting to what bitcoin was meant to be which was a level leveling of the the playing field and and really money being what what I believe God envisioned it to be is, is something that was just. And so super excited to hear about this. You know, it's interesting that you say that first of all, what you guys have done down there is pretty amazing. You've obviously started this, this movement that has created sort of shock waves around the world and it's, it's hugely affected Bitcoin. 
but the you know the thing that you say about the bros and lambos crowd i actually you know i think it's okay you know if some people get into bitcoin for bros and lambos that's okay because it's an opportunity for bitcoin to do its thing right we don't change bitcoin bitcoin changes you and uh over time i think it has a, a huge opportunity to impact the bros and lambos guys I was, I mean, as a young man, this was many, many years ago, but I was originally a bros and Lambos guy. I mean, when I got out of high school, went into the military, I was pretty focused on bros and Lambos and girls and drinking my entire paycheck and all that other kind of stuff. People learn, they grow. And Bitcoin is an amazing tool to helping people do that. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I think, and I think I've personally seen, it's been interesting I uh, even being here in El Salvador and talking to a number of people and even people exploring and, and searching for God and starting to ask uh, bigger questions about the purpose of life. They've been brought Bitcoin as they start to have um, their time preferences start to change and they start thinking longer term. And so I think Bitcoin is something that naturally pushes people to start questioning things and yeah I'm, I'm i'm not saying disparaging of 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 any groups of people that are in bitcoin but i'm i i think it's healthy that we're seeing it push in this direction because obviously the the bros and lambos crowd is is small in relevance for the the wider world especially people that are living in poverty and the people that that i believe will benefit the most from bitcoin and that are um, suffering the most under the current financial system. And so I think this broadening out and this realization by people um, on all sides of the political spectrum, including people that are, that are more on the left and are focused on social justice, I think they're realizing the, the role that Bitcoin plays um, in making the world a fairer place. And so uh, I think that this is just the natural progression of it, and I think it's healthy. Yeah, I just want to add one more thing. I mean, again, there's there's just a lot of there's a lot of I really appreciate what what you're talking about, Mike, and what you're saying because those are I mean, again, those are at, at the heart of you know all of the the Christian Bitcoiners I know. Like that's that's a humongous thing. You know, like we the the core tenet of our of our belief system is that you know we were helpless and you know God sent someone to rescue us when we couldn't do anything um, to to rescue ourselves. And so like this idea of you know Bitcoin being good news to the poor. Um, you know, obviously we would say, you know, not to the same degree as, you know, the, the spiritual truth, but like, it's in a very real sense, it's good news for the poor. Um, and so, I mean, these are, these are things that we, you know, we take really seriously. I mean, another, another reason why this is, I mean, I, I why I so appreciate Bitcoin and just see this as a value and valuable investment investment for my time, um, is just the, like, like the, the idea of absolute truth. Um, absolute truth has been something that you know, just the very idea has gotten denigrated a ton and people, you know, want to relativize everything. And, you know, that's, that's understandable to a degree, but in Bitcoin, you have this objective unchanging standard that, that protects and frees people. And, and isn't something that just, you know, just oppresses people. You know, a lot of people, when they think about absolute truths, they think of things that, you know, divide and oppress. Well, Bitcoin does divide. Bitcoin creates a standard that nobody can can change or screw around with. But that that objective um, and th that object objectivity 
Um, and that unchangingness is actually a very good thing. It actually, you know, cr- protects and, and, and benefits people. So again, I just think thinking about, there's a lot of these kind of topics that we just, that aren't talked about at a, at a popular level. And so, you know, these are, these are the things that we're going to be talking about in the conference. And, um, and again, just really appreciate you guys given, given the platform to just talk about these things. And, and again, we hope to see many of you uh, in Miami. Jason. Uh, thanks. And, um, and hi, Jimmy, congratulations on the announcement. That's really exciting. I had the pleasure of being able to moderate the uh, Bitcoin and the American Dream folks when they were here in Washington, D.C. So really encourage everyone to look at that book. And um, I just wanted to sort of just share and, and maybe get some thoughts from, from Jimmy and, and Stacy a little bit about the executive order um, uh, that came out Wednesday, because this is really pretty significant in my mind that it's as of Wednesday, we have for the first time, you know, an administration that's really weighing in fairly heavily on the subject of digital assets. Um, I've done like a whole report about it and read the thing, you know, a hundred times, of course, because that's like what I do. But like the one thing that I thought was interesting is that it mentions, you know, this aspect of human rights. And it talks about that in the context of if we develop like a CBDC or central bank digital currency that we might then have um, challenges like, you know, you might have in China or authoritarian regimes that I know Stacy spent a lot of time, you know, with, with all the excitement that's happened in El Salvador, you know, this definitely isn't the United States, you know, putting out the Bitcoin law. This is definitely about digital assets and there's some hedges in the report and some hedges. I think that we need, you know, that kind of policy right now from folks like Jimmy Song is critical because a lot of the, questions that are in this executive order specifically focus on the consensus mechanism around proof of work and and focus on directing reports from you know the national climate advisor and secretary of energy and the epa and so there's this 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 amazingly this this narrative right the fud narrative around energy has made its way into a national executive order um, where part of most of the order is just asking for a lot of studies around central bank digital currencies and others, but one of it is a specific focus that it, it and this is from the report, it says addressing the effect of cryptocurrencies, consensus mechanisms on energy usage, including research into potential mitigating measures and alternative mechanisms of consensus and the design trade-offs those may entail. Um, I mean, I don't know, Alex, like if, if when we came out with the Internet or things like this, we sort of paused and said, oh, and by the way, like what's the, um, you know, what's the energy output or what's the, you know, potential? It just it's 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 there. And I think it's just something important for us to sort of think about because we can do things like reaching out to the White House. And as these different administrators work on these reports, I think trying to keep them on track, I mean, we didn't get the Bitcoin law where, you know, it's not El Salvador, but it's certainly something that can be worked with. And I, I want to acknowledge the administration, I think, for doing that, for recognizing the existence of digital assets and framing it in a certain way. But I think there's enough information out there that has sort of become fact now about the energy FUD, where there's there's parts of this report that I think, you know, certainly can be addressed. And I'm excited that Jimmy's in the mix on this. So. I got to be honest, I um, I haven't read the executive order or analyzed it because I've been super busy this week. I will read it in time for my newsletter on Monday. Um, I will say, though, that, uh, you know, th- this is, has been sort of like uh, something that we've been anticipating for quite a while. Uh, just roughly 
over rough overview from what I've heard is that it's not quite as bad as it could have been. Um, and the market seemed to have reacted that way a little bit. I think right after the executive order came out, like Bitcoin went on a rally. So of course it came back down again. There's a lot of volatility around that. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I, I have yet to completely read the order, the implications or the commentary around it. I will this week. I haven't read it either, but I've read a lot of um, the commentary on Twitter and stuff like that and quotes from it. And it, <clears throat> to me, it sounds like they're paving the way for the U.S. CBDC. Um, and therefore, whatever they say about um, privacy and human rights, I would disregard that because only Bitcoin can uh, secure that because you could verify and we've already seen the weaponization of the payments rail for all sorts of people, whether, you know, it's nation states or individuals. And that's just a fact. And I think the a Fed coin could be a lot worse. I mean, many people were saying, OK, just think of Canada, what, what Canada did to the truckers and wh whether or not you agree with the truckers or not in their protest. The fact is they were cut off from the financial grid. So uh, I think a CBDC would be even faster and worse than that uh, because there's no, there's no middleman, at least there's no bank between them like, uh, you know, that you can possibly negotiate with. So uh, I believe also Elizabeth Warren is involved in like doing this research for um, the energy and she's made it clear already exactly what she thinks in terms of proof of work. So uh, it, it, it's, it's the opposite of the Bitcoin law, right? It's, a, it's basically acting like, hey, we're just kind of being uh, neutral and, and nice here. And um, we're going to do a, some research. But we already know what they think, they, what they, they plan on answering, what their research is going to find. Because Elizabeth Warren has already told us many, many, many times. So, uh, you know, just be prepared for a Fed coin, I think. But thank God for Bitcoin. Thanks for that plug, Stacey. So awesome. Mark, go ahead. Yeah, I would add on to that. I, I spent quite a bit of time actually reading it, uh, marking it up. I discussed it for a couple hours on radio yesterday. Um, you know, it, it, uh, it yeah, it, it really fires up the focus on the CBDC. They, uh, President Biden said within 180 days, he needs to have all these reports from all these different regulatory bodies on the CBDC. So it shows they're really ramping that up. Um, they did mention human rights in there, which I thought was pretty interesting. But at the same time, talking out of both sides of their mouth, they also used the words equitable. They also used the words, uh, uh, you know, more like free and fair, equitable, but also they talked about inclusion. And so they've talked about this inclusion for a long time. We know there's over 2 billion adults in the world without banks, of course, now through Canada and Russia, we've kicked way more people out of the banking system. But um, the problem with the, the problem with inclusion, financial inclusion, that piece they added right next to human rights, isn't a problem with banking per se. It's a problem with permission. Right. So a lot of people don't have permission to join the banking system. And of course, as I just, you know, Stacy highlighted and I just said, right, Canada and uh, Russia, we kicked even more people that don't have permission. in. so, uh, yeah, they did use the word human rights, but I saw it next to inclusion, which we know um, adding a federal federal coin, if you call it that a CBDC, I'm sure it's going to be less inclusive. 
they're going to want to use that for even more regulations and even more censorship. And so, yeah, I was encouraged by the word human rights, but next to inclusion and understanding what they're saying overall, it's not super, I'm not super bullish on that. Um, I also did talk about though, uh, so yeah, they're going to speed it up 180 days to kind of get this report and get it moving. Um, but <laughs> I dug out some other reports. Uh, I'm sure everybody here can remember Obamacare, the website, the rollout. Uh, you go to a simple website just to shop insurance plans. And they couldn't get that launched. They spent over $2 billion to do that and uh, failed miserably. Uh, they've spent 40 years trying to fix the IRS uh, website or IRS uh, computer system website. And uh, it's just been failure after failure after failure. They say now they can't get the IRS uh, computer system updated until 2030. And now they've scrapped most of it. And they're only going to try to fix the very core components of it. So um, the chance of them getting one out, uh, the track record shows it's probably not going to happen super fast. And if it does, it's probably going to be pretty problematic, which is also good for Bitcoin. Uh, but anyway, back to the uh, human rights, as Stacey said, I mean, it's, it's going to be less privacy. It's going to be less inclusion uh, and less freedom. And, and we have Bitcoin to show the glaring difference of that. I'm just going to add two quick thoughts to this. I mean, the truth is I would much rather hear what Stacy and Mark and Jimmy and, and Jeff and like really smart people on this stage have to say, but there are a couple quick observations. Number one, the fact that the president of the United States is even acknowledging it, I think is a step in the right direction. Now, obviously the content or their intention, who knows, right? I, I don't give a crap what Elizabeth Warren thinks. Um, I don't think that she's got that much influence anymore. We have more and more, like the Bitcoin theory is in play, right? We have more and more um, senators, congressmen, governors, mayors of cities um, becoming Bitcoiners every single day. So I'm positive about that. But then lastly, in regards to central bank digital currencies, my personal opinion is it's just a way to freaking make everybody slaves. I'm going to read a quick quote. I read this from Alexander Hamilton yesterday. In the general course of human nature, a power over a man's subsistence amounts to a power over his will. That outlook on this is I saw a brilliant response to the announcement to, uh, of the executive order from somebody in Latin America, and they had a laughing face emoji, laughing out loud emoji, and said, uh, Petro de Gringos. <laughs> So, uh, you know, this is, remember when Venezuela introduced the Petro? And what that did was educate a lot of Venezuelans very fast on Bitcoin. <laughs> so this could do the same in America. Yeah, that's a damn good point, right? That was an absolute freaking joke when they did that. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we can sit up here and talk all day about the merits of Bitcoin, but there's seriously no better marketing for Bitcoin than the rollout of CBDCs around the world. I love that um, when the room goes kind of silent for a little bit because it makes some people uncomfortable. Like I've, I've noticed there are people who are younger who sometimes they're like, oh my gosh, somebody say something. I love it because it means that what has just been said is super powerful and people are processing it, in my opinion, I think it's great. Or that it was just a really stupid comment and people don't know how to respond. I'll go with the smart. I'll go with the <laughs> but you got to remember you're in a room full of Bitcoiners because if, so if it's a really stupid comment, there's a pretty good chance somebody's going to smash you for it. 
Take the compliment. Like there's always a lull in conversation 20 minutes after and it's 20 now. It's a perfect time for announcements. So let's do that. You're listening to Cafe Bitcoin. We do this Monday through Friday. We start at 7 a.m. Pacific, roll for about two hours, talk about all things Bitcoin. It is the place to get your morning news on Bitcoin. It's becoming a preferred hangout for some of the smartest people in Bitcoin to just come chill, talk about what's going on. I mean, we're starting to see on the regular people like Stacy and Mark and Jimmy just drop in, talk about what's happening. It's also a podcast. It's up on Spotify. It's up on Apple. Um, Bitcoinerjobs.com. You want a job in Bitcoin? Go to Bitcoinerjobs.com. If you're a company that's hiring, Bitcoinerjobs.com is the place to do it. Bitcoin 2022 conference is coming up not too long from now, guys. The date's rapidly approaching. It's going to be the biggest event in Bitcoin all year. 30,000 plus Bitcoiners or soon to be Bitcoiners descending upon Miami, taking the whole thing over. Many of the people up here on this stage are going to be speaking there. It's going to be a great event. Opportunity for you to connect with other Bitcoiners, make some potentially lifelong friends, um, and learn tons. If you're on the fence about Bitcoin, I mean, the reason I'm mentioning this is I talk to people every day who are trying to decide. Like They'll call. Uh, I work with Swan Private. They'll call and they'll ask, um, you know, I've got I've got real estate or I've got equities, I've got 401k, IRA, all this other kind of stuff. I've got all these assets. I'm really worried about what's happening, trying to decide if I should buy Bitcoin or not. And I will tell you that uh, going to a conference like this will help you make that decision big time. Um, if you're new to the space, hang out. We love educating new people about Bitcoin here. If you want to go deep dive, Many of the people up here obviously have tons of resources. Jimmy's got a book. Stacy and Max just came out with a new book. Um, and, you know, there's also other resources for you, like swanbitcoin.com slash canon. We're starting to see professional journalists pop into this space on the regular every day. And if you need to get caught up on what Bitcoin actually is, that's a good place to start. Also, we're obviously all happy to help you with that kind of stuff. Quick shout out to Jay Gould in the audience, throwing you an invite if you want to come up and chat. Um, I'm looking for some Bitcoin 22 conference stories, like from last year. Do any of you guys up here have any good stories that you want to tell? Right, My story. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Like... <laughs> Go I ahead, was just Jimmy. asking. Yeah, I was just asking what what sort of stories do you want? Because there's like plenty. I ate so much meat, for example, and I met people that I never met before that I had interacted with all the time on Clubhouse, stuff like that. There, there's so many stories. What, what 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 do you want? All of the above. <laughs> the funny stories, the crazy stories, the uh, the unexpected things that happen. The best. What was the best experience for you? And the last one. It's a good one. Uh, I, I think the main one was just getting to meet people that I hadn't met. Like, cause I, I was addicted to clubhouse for a couple of months. And I think people know that, like I, I was on there at like two in the morning and you know, there, there was like a couple of months there where, 
you know, before Twitter spaces had come out and stuff and everyone was hanging out on Clubhouse and all these people I'd never met and, you know, we're coming out of the pandemic and it was just, you know, it, it, it was sort of like that, you know, um, gathering event for all of these people. And that, that was really fun for me. It was uh, getting to see people that I had only really heard the voices of and, you know, seeing them in the flesh and, um, you know, hanging out and stuff like that, that, that was good. And just to not to toot my own horn too much or the, the comp or not to push the conference too much, but the power breakfast for me was really cool. Um, and just, uh, seeing other Christians and, um, in particular, we had, uh, <laughs> Cynthia Lummis and Warren Davidson show up at the prayer breakfast, um, got to meet, uh, you know, uh, Congressman Davidson's wife. Uh, who was touched by the whole thing because she went to this, um, you know, the night before she had gone to some, you know, blockchain-y like party or something like that. And it was completely degenerate. And she was in despair that day uh, because she was like, what the heck did we get into? Um, and like seeing other Christians at the event uh, at the prayer breakfast was very touching for her. And she was crying at the event. That, that was a very touching moment for me to see that. And she was like, yeah, I'm just so happy that it's not just a bunch of these camplers in this thing. Uh, that, that was basically her point. And, uh, and that, that for me is, is, is an important aspect that we need to highlight. It's yeah. Miami is kind of a crazy fun town and, I personally think it's like kind of a shitcoin town, but you know, like it's, it, there, there is an aspect of Bitcoin that is more wholesome and more long-term, more, I don't know, family friendly, if you will, that, that we need to emphasize. And that's something that I hope that we get to show a little bit at this satellite event. Thank God for Bitcoin 2022. Yeah, that's cool. Bobby, I see your hand up. We'll go to you in one second. I want to welcome up Jay Gould. Good morning, brother. What's up, guys? Jay, were you at the conference last year? I was not. What's up, Jeff? No, I was not. Are you going this year? I, I will say uh, what Jimmy just said is true for for me as well as, as it relates to uh, the clubhouse thing, right? It was like this weird, interesting time where I got to actually, it's funny, Jimmy's saying to actually get to meet these people in person. I haven't done that yet, but it was really interesting. Like I've had deals that I've done, investments with people, um, just forge real relationships on clubhouse with people, which I thought was really kind of an interesting dynamic. Um, and honestly, like I learned a lot more about Bitcoin than I had known before. Like I've been in Bitcoin for years now, um, but I viewed it as a, just like an asset, like I would purchase a stock or something like that. I just didn't understand it the way everybody was teaching it to me. So I've been learning Bitcoin on places like Clubhouse and Twitter Spaces as much as, um, and then that's why I created my podcast, you know? So it was like my way of learning, just publicly, just talking to people and having guys like Jimmy on the show. And, and I see Corey in here as well um, and Jeff and a bunch of them. Uh, I've learned a lot from these guys. And I think it's these platforms are amazing because there's a lot more depth and context when you can listen to people speak versus just seeing a tweet, <laughs> right? Like Twitter is just not so helpful in that sense. It's a lot of memeing and, and stuff. Um, but these audio platforms, I think, are really awesome because they give a lot of context. Yeah, man, totally agree. Go ahead, Stacey. Uh, for me, uh, Bitcoin 2021, remember the context of when it happened. All of us have been uh, 
locked down, forced to stay at home for over a year. And it was just an exhilarating time to be with tens of thousands of other Bitcoiners and to be able to communicate like normal human beings. And um, I think that is one of the important things to remember about these Bitcoin conferences is that to to remind ourselves in these times of deglobalization and all sorts of crazy lockdowns and stuff that we're all human. That's the most important thing is that we communicate with each other and uh, share stories with each other of this um, of this time. And uh, I think it helps keep everybody sane. And Bitcoin conferences compared to any other conferences that I've gone to is just it's everybody's a pleb, whether they're the multi-billionaires or the person with a you know a couple thousand sat. It uh, it's a it's a great experience to um, have. So whether you're just brand new to Bitcoin or you've been around for you know a decade, it's 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 a great event for everybody to attend. I will say my wife, she listens. I put on, on speaker a bunch when I'm on Clubhouse and Spaces, and she gets to know everybody's voices now. <laughs> so she knows all these. I've, I haven't had Stacy on with me on stages, but but everybody, and I know who you are, Stacey, obviously, but my, my wife, I'm just saying, in general, she knows Jeff's voice. She knows Jimmy's voice. You can't miss Jimmy's voice. Let me tell you that. <laughs> just no missing Jimmy. But like she tells me, she's like, why don't you go to 2022 in Miami? She's trying to kick me out of the house to go down there to see you guys. <laughs> so I might, I might get down there. You should and come to the come to the uh, satellite event. Well, I would just go to the events. I probably wouldn't go to the actual conference. I was in the ad tech space previously, like ten plus years ago, and there was the ad tech conference, but there was iMedia Connection. There was all these kind of things you would go to, and I did do that for a while. And uh, and then I would just go to like parties and stuff, like August Capital. David Hornick at a party every year in August. <laughs> no surprise. Um, but I would do all that kind of stuff years ago. But in Bitcoin, I didn't really understand it last year. I was like, why are we going to this? I have nothing to promote or sell. It didn't make sense to me. And then Hoddle, American Hoddle, become a good friend. He's like, it's just like to hang out with the people that we're friends with in the space and get to know them in person and stuff and put a face to a voice and all that kind of stuff. And I was like, yeah, I can see that because these are real relationships that have been forged. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because two things you brought up, Jay, that I think are really good and one is these kind of audio platforms where we can actually like talk to each other and go back and forth and banter. It's kind of like a, it's like taking podcasting to an all new level in my opinion, because there's more than one person's input and perspective. I have learned so much from these things. I'm kind of a new in the Bitcoin space compared to a lot of the people on this stage and in this room, even. Like I only started doing these spaces like back in October, I guess it was the middle of October. And I have learned so much being surrounded by really, really smart people. I'm just totally humbled by it. And then the other part that is really cool is, is that working with Swan, I mean, we're completely networked and distributed all over the world. We have people in like, I don't know how many different countries, but being able to actually meet everybody in person and then meet all of the people that i've learned so much from uh in bitcoin i'm just super excited for that cubby good morning yeah hey guys good morning uh and you're, you guys touched on something like near and dear to my heart man um you know last year's conference was the first time i had, I had met everybody uh, as you guys know I'm good friends with anders and and 
we we did our show and um for three years you know when i started at the top and as i had been talking before we did our show man uh you were surrounded by people that went through a bear market with you you know you made friends all over those years that you just we didn't have spaces but you would interact on twitter quite a bit you'd be in chat rooms um during live live uh podcasts um but man it it was just about meeting people so it's absolutely worth it to me um i had known anders for over three years first time i meet him was at the the hotel hotel lobby all right and other people start rolling other bitcoiners start rolling in and he was literally the first in real life Bitcoin I ever met. But it's, it's strange, uh, psychologically, you go from a lot of people that for years don't have, don't know anyone that has Bitcoin. And all of a sudden you're surrounded by thousands of them. And we're there and I get a tap on my shoulder. I turn around, there's a guy I've never, never seen before, don't know. And he goes, yo, puppy, what's going on, man? Great to finally meet you. And I, I was looking at it. I, I said, I'm sorry, who are you? Because it's me, they're Gigi, man. It's Gigi. And, you know, as you guys know, he does this anonymous uh, show. So whenever he was on with us, he was always, you could just see the headphones and sunglasses. That's all you ever see. And it was hilarious because uh, he hung out with us that night. Um, you go around and people are coming up. Everyone's talking to each other. And no one knows, like, like they just talk 30 minutes to Gigi. And I'm just laughing my ass off because, yeah, like, you know, these people are coming up and they don't know them. So it was pretty funny. Um, I, I will say, that, you know, the, first, the conference itself, fantastic. Um, I, but truly, like the, the speakers, it opened up. You had the, uh, the mayor of Miami. Uh, you had um, you had uh, Ron Paul. And then you had, you know, Max interview and Sailor. And after that, man, it, to me, it was all about, about meeting the plebs. I, you know, Swan, Swan Bitcoin tent was like round zero. Uh, for for everything that went on, I mean, everybody w- was was rolling through there, um, and I can tell you the first day it was hot as hell in there. Uh, Brady should get some kind of award because he was doing podcasts all day long, man, just just sweating. Um, and and the other thing I remember was Liv Mandrick was feeding everybody his baklava, which was fantastic. But what's really cool, and and like they, like Stacy mentioned, man, it didn't didn't matter when you start here, how long you've been here, everyone's a pleb. And I sat there personally, you know, and you watch um, guys like Jeff Booth and Greg Foss. I personally watch them, dude. There's like a line out the door for people to come and just ask them questions. Maybe we sit there for hours, man, just talking to people, hanging out. I mean, they could have big times, a lot of people done their own thing, but they didn't. So I would say, you know, the, my biggest takeaway from all of this, man, is all about meeting the people that you've met online here on Twitter. You shared these stories with. Uh, it, it's it's really overwhelming at first uh, when when you meet them, but man, what what a great time! Hey Alex, I'm just gonna share something if you don't mind, real quick. I, my memory of it was not actually being able to go there physically or not going there, physically, but it was but watching these videos, some um, you know released shortly after. I think some of them were actually live on YouTube. That that was very formative in me learning a lot more, deciding to invest in Bitcoin or save in Bitcoin only. So, I mean, it made a huge impact the fact that I'm going to actually physically get to go this year is just uh, beyond belief. So, you know, got some, obviously some amazing people here on the panel. And I just want to, you know, publicly say thank every one of you for your contribution to my um, learning as well. You know, I say one another quick side funny thing down there is how everybody introduces himself. 
um, because you'll, you'll hear some names you recognize, but every, basically everybody had their Twitter account open. And to, for you to understand who they were, they had to show you their avatar. No, really, it's me. This is my hand. Remember? <laughs> because you have no idea what half the people look like that you've been hanging out with all that time. Don't trust Verify. Send me a DM real quick. I don't, I don't know if I trust you or not. Yeah, that's not Bitcoin, Tina. Send me a DM, Tina. <laughs> oh, hey, quick Tina story. Absolutely. Um, dude, someone says something about recognizing voices. He was one, man. I'm standing there, and I hear this, someone <laughs> talking behind me. I said, I know this voice. Where do I know it from? I'm, I'm thinking. I'm like, I turn around, and I said, Tina, that you? He goes, yeah, man. How'd you know? I said, that voice, man. You can't miss it. Because he's yelling at somebody. That's how you know. <laughs> I sent him a photo last night. Um, I'm going to put it up right now. It was my photo. I'll show you. And I told him, I was like, you, you got to change your photo to this. Hey, Tal, I'm trying to bring you up, man. I don't know what's going on with that. I don't know if we need to uh, rehost Bitcoin Mag or what. Bobby, I'm going to swap you out with Tal so he has a chance to. Yeah, yeah, man. No, no worries. Glad I can come up. We'll see you guys. No idea if that worked or not. Also, Crypto Couple, sending you guys an invite if you want to come up. So, um,. Anything else you guys want to talk about, Jimmy or, or uh, Jordan, in regards to book, event, um, just really anything? Uh, please sign up. Uh, Jordan, do we have any number people signed up already so we can kind of get an idea? I, I, I'm getting DMs from people that are saying that I, I just bought tickets. So if you could give like sort of an update and get that flywheel rolling, that would be great. Sure, we still have plenty. I mean, we I think we've had, I mean, around 10. We still haven't had very many, so there's still plenty of room right now. Hey, well, I mean, 10 sold in like a few minutes. We, we, sure. <laughs> we didn't launch this thing very long ago, so this that's pretty long, good. So. You know, yeah. Uh, yeah, and, you know, I tweeted it not too long ago. So, uh, you know, guys, I'm just saying, you might want to do this a little earlier than later. Uh, and, you know, last year for prayer for breakfast, it, uh, it sold out and, there are so many people that DM me that, oh, can I please get in? Can I please get in or whatever? And I was like, sorry, we I, the restaurant only seats 40. We're, we're kind of in the same situation. You know, we have a venue uh, that's probably going to hold about 200, 250, something like that. And that's it. It's, it's going to be done at that point, And we're not going to be able to get you a ticket. So come early. And if you, if you know and um and go with it and you know like it this is going to be cheaper than a lot of other satellite events i'm guessing that safe's going to have some sort of like carnivore dinner or something like that and that was like 400 bucks last year and you know three four hundred people came that that was insane so um you know just keep that in mind it's going to be one of the cheaper ones we're not making any money off of this um uh, or if we do it's going to be like probably going to people like Jordan who's putting in a lot of it, a lot of his time for it. So it's, it's, it's not a, it's not meant to be like a profitable venture. It's only like 99. Come on, guys. it's, 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 it's going to be. Fat. Yeah. So I, I was, <laughs> I just got a, a DM from David, uh, David Catrone. I mentioned earlier, he's done, he's done a lot of the work as far as like doing the, the website and putting together a lot of the, the details along that front and, you know, putting together all those details. And he just, he, 
in making the website, he put like, there's just three buttons. One of them is a, you can pay with fiat and we're working on getting the buy with Bitcoin uh, up and running. And then there's actually a buy with ETH button. And uh, I've gotten several DMs who are <laughs> like, wait, what, what is the deal with the buy ETH? If you click on it, it just says, LOL, JK. <laughs> you <know>? like, <laughs> <laughs> got to have a video with a Rickroll in there. He definitely tricked me on that. I'm one of those that sent him a DM. I'm like, that's strange. <laughs> I feel like an idiot now because, yeah, I, you can't click on it actually but, do anything. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that was the best. I'm, I'm getting a lot. You know, there's a reply to my tweet and saying, oh, you got me good. The lol <laughs> thing. Yeah, there's another, just another thing too as well. I mean, the majority, again, the majority of the people – I would say so. We've got speakers uh, on the on the website. There's a number. There's a number of the speakers listed there. I mean, we have people who you're going to know, like Jimmy and Robert Breedlove. Um, you know, myself to a lesser extent. Um, there's other people. Dr. Jeff obviously is going to be speaking. Bitcoin Beach Mike. Um, and then there's other people again who I mean, the majority, most people aren't going to know them, but they're people who you should know. Um, they're people who are who are working on businesses in the space that are on Bitcoin standard. Uh, who are starting nonprofits that are having that are on, built on Bitcoin standards that are doing Bitcoin-based projects. Um, Dr. Patrick Melder um, is one of those people. He's actually working on the the Bitcoin Lake project um, in Guatemala, where they're using Bitcoin mining to to help a lot of um, uh, yeah underprivileged kids uh, with education and a bunch of different things. Um, they're going to have a farm there where they're going to be growing crops that are going to be helping the the local uh, some of the local people. So he's going to be there. He's going to be speaking. He wrote a book. Um, called i can't it's not the gospel according to bitcoin it's bitcoin for christians i think is what it is um so he's he's someone um there's uh, paul miller uh paul miller is probably most uh, well known for um he was the guy who did a ted talk about giving up the internet for a year um but paul's become a good friend um i went on his podcast around the time the book came out um he's a he's a christian as well his, his dad's a pastor and so uh, he's going to be speaking. He's actually written several really good pieces um, talking about Bitcoin you know, from a just more philosophical uh, level as well. So he's going to be speaking. But again, we're still there's still a couple people who closer to the event. There's people who can't confirm until closer to the event. Um, there's a couple of higher higher profile people who reached up, out to us last year about uh, after the fact about the the prayer breakfast. Who um, there's a chance that they could be uh, there again for this as well. So. Again, we can't give more information about that, but we're uh, there's at least there's one one person in particular who I'm super hopeful is going to be there. Um, Cynthia Lummis um, was actually we had we had anticipated her being able to be there, but the Congress is still in session all that week until or the Senate's in session all that week until Thursday, so she's not able to get there um, and probably Ted Cruz as well because Ted Cruz has you know become one of the more vocal people uh, about Bitcoin um, as well. So anyhow, so there's we'll see who else gets added to that list, but I'm really I really think that people are going to get a lot of value. It's going to be really, um, yeah, just really encouraging and thought provoking to see the different ways that uh, people are using Bitcoin um, in, in businesses and ministries that, you know, you might not initially that aren't initially intuitive. Uh, I have a question from DMs and this is from uh, Milan club, San Diego. He's asking if you guys are going to stream the event. Yeah, well, that's that's something we're working on. We know that we're gonna we are definitely going to record the events. As far as as far as the stream is concerned, we're not sure yet. So, um, worst case, we can have we're gonna make all of those you know all of those um, recordings available for free, and you know we can share the link on that afterwards. 
Hey, Alex, quick, quick question. Um, there's another one in the DMs. Um, Jordan, they're wonder, they're wondering if if the venue is going to be, you know, close enough that they can kind of come back and forth between the your conference and industry day. So, I mean, that's 100%. kind of exciting. Yep. It's kind 100%. of exciting that people want to do both. Yeah. No, a hundred percent. And that's, that was a hundred percent. One of our considerations is just trying to get as close as possible. Um, so yeah, it's going to be, it's either like the, again, we have like, there's two venues that we're finalizing. The one is just, you know, dragging their feet to get back to us, but that one is just across the bridge into Miami, uh, you know, downtown Miami. And then the other one, and the other option is right there on uh, in South beach. So it's going to be very close. Um, again, the, the one definitely walking distance from the, from the main conference venue and the, the other one will be, you know, it's like a three or five minute Uber. So. It's fantastic. This thing is so off the hook. I'm looking forward to this big time. <clears throat> hey, Tal, I've been throwing you invites, man. I don't know what's going on with that. I think my co-host might be broken a little bit. Weird buggy stuff goes on sometimes. Alrighty then. So um, we're starting to come up towards the end of the show. So I'd like uh, if you guys are up here and you have any closing thoughts, start thinking about what you'd like to say for closing thoughts. We'll go around, get hands and, and close it out. Also, if you're in the audience and uh, you have questions, you can shoot questions by DM. You could also join our Telegram group, join the discussion in there with Cafe Bitcoiners. You can ask your questions in there. They'll bring it to our attention. Um, or you can come up here. We'll be kind to you, I promise. If you want to come up on stage and ask your question in person. Good morning, Tao. How you doing, man? Hey, good morning, everybody. Um, no, I just wanted to jump in here really quick because you guys were talking there was a topic at the time about meeting people at the conference and just meeting people in general. And so it's a funny thing because yesterday um, I was hosting a late night space and I was talking to Mike Greff. And you know, we're just chit-chatting what he's doing here and there. And then he imagined he was in LA and he's you know doing some filming and things like that. I'm like, oh, okay, interesting. So um, we're about blah, blah, blah. And literally after we just talked for a few minutes, he's like less than a mile from where I'm at. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, this is crazy. Like, you know? And so we're going to be meeting up um, this Sunday at a Starbucks just you know, close by where we're at. Just to, This is my first time really going to meet another pleb so it's gonna be interesting i never felt sort of comfortable to do something like this but it's like my first time so i just wanted to share that it's like this is crazy so hey just so you know just so you know mike graff is a friend of orangeville podcast Uh, he's been at a few of our events in austin phoenix he's a great guy so uh he's a good one to meet so uh you know you'll have fun yeah, this is awesome. This is awesome. It's like we're literally like one mile apart. I'm oh my god, let's let, let's just hang out on Sunday morning for a coffee or something. So thanks, guys. Stacy, while we got you in here, I have a question for you guys. Do you do you and Max have any plans to start up a new show? I understand that you were leaving the last one. I guess I don't have that wrong. Um. Yeah, we left our last one, but uh, we are doing more orange pill podcast and having it subtitled into Spanish because we do have a pretty massive audience in Latin America. And, um, we are working on something else, but we we've been working on for a few months now, which hopefully will be announced in the next few weeks. But, um, it is a, a, a big project we've been working on, uh, 
which, you know, is post all of our other content. It was, uh, it's something bigger. Hopefully I have something to announce. I'll come on here and announce it when it's ready. That's brilliant. Actually, the, the translating your, your podcast into Spanish, it's like, I, I think the actual statistics is only like 10% of the population is, is, um, is English or something. And so if you translate it to Spanish, Mr. Beast just did that recently. Like he has a whole different channel specifically just in Spanish and it increases your range like dramatically. Well, our, um, our Kaiser report would get up to 2 million views in the Spanish dubbed version, uh, just on YouTube alone. So it was, we, you know, basically the last two or three years has just been us in our minds, just thinking of our Latin American audience and spreading Bitcoin there. I think that's why it's, you know, part of the reason at least why it's such a hyper Bitcoinized region and why El Salvador, you know, uh, ended up being the first to hyper Bitcoinize and, you know, partly to do with uh, our show in Spanish. So, um, I, you know, they're driving this at, at this point because I get so many messages now uh, from Spanish speakers telling us we need to do this in Spanish. <laughs> Our show, I was like, well, once I speak Spanish fluently, I'll do that. But in the meantime, let's do some subtitles. Hey, Jimmy. Thank you for being here. I had a quick question for you. You did a really great podcast a few years ago with Paul Stortz talking about BIP 300 and 301. And I was wondering if you support that and are looking forward to his presence at the conference. In your podcast interview, you seem to support it. That was back in 2018. I wanted to get your current thoughts on those proposals, if you'd like to share. Yeah, I, I think I had a different perspective back then. And like the more I've been in the space and the more I've watched, I think um, his perspective, while I respect it, is I think mistaken because you're conceding too much ground to the enemy by admitting, uh, basically he's saying, oh, these things are useful in Ethereum. These things are useful in Ripple or whatever. That That's his premise for drive chains to work. And I don't believe that anymore. There's no value to any of that. And if there was anything of value, you know, we, we would know about it already. There's no problem that there's no like business problem somebody's having and they search all over for a solution and then they go, oh, you know what? We need to use NFTs to solve this. They, I mean, unless that problem is we need money from gullible people, like that's like going to any of these chains is not the solution to anything. So I, I've come, come to the conclusion that all of these efforts to sort of like copy the, um, you know, features on these other chains and put it on Bitcoin because Bitcoin is more solid money and all that, it's just ceding too much ground to the enemy. And it's, uh, it, it's admitting things that just aren't true, which is that these things are useful. So, um, for me, I, I, I don't think it's necessary. I don't, uh, you know, there, there are sort of like other concerns around it. Um, you know, there's a discussion on the Bitcoin dev mailing list about how if you allow for a certain option, you need to think about as a community. Uh, but yeah, I, 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 my perspective on it has changed largely because like it, it's, it's, a continuous hype cycle on these points uh, where you're going to have NFTs, DeFi, whatever, 
And, you know, you know, the VCs that are backing these things, like hype it up like crazy, make it seem like they, they lend their credibility essentially to these projects. Uh, a lot of people buy them and then there's a frenzy, the VCs get out or at least uh, make their money back probably a lot more than that and make a nice, decent chunk of change for their LPs. Um, and then like everything crashes 95% and then you, you have a lot of bag holders that, you know, don't even want to think about it. They, they just sort of think, oh man, I messed up or I didn't get in early enough or I did something wrong. They kind of end up blaming themselves. So it's, it's a scam in all senses of the word. So I, I don't want to legitimize scams at all. And even having something like drive chains, I think in a sense does that. I, I think it's terrible um, uh, what, what these uh, uh, com- uh, essentially centralized places are doing. Uh, and there's gonna like, I, honestly, it's like part of the drag on Bitcoin prices. All of, the, all of this stuff gets lumped in by the media uh, with Bitcoin and there's, a drag down effect as a result of that, which is, you know, very unfortunate. Um, I would love to see more discussion of Bitcoin and its security properties and all the other stuff that's actually useful to people rather than stuff like drive chains, which at least for me, it's, it's not, it's not necessary. It's, it's seeding ground where there's nothing. So, yeah. Thanks for your thoughts. I appreciate it. Yeah, I'm so glad you you said that. That's that's pretty fantastic. I agree with that 100%. I think there's going to be absolute hell to pay when it comes to this stuff for for legacy finance providers because we've got this thing that's coming very shortly for RIAs, FAs, etc. And like I've had a couple of discussions with some of these guys that are thinking about onboarding with Swan. And there is a very real reputational risk for these guys. Like if they're uh, recommending shit coins to their clients and their clients get rugged or their clients get burnt, um, there's a serious potential for reputational risk there. And what's happening in my opinion, this is my anecdotal kind of personal view on it is, is that, um, they're seriously considering this stuff. I mean, we have these kind of conversations with these guys where they're like, well, should we get involved in this other kind of stuff? And there are plenty of them who are talking to us right now um, because Swan's Bitcoin only, and they just want to completely 100% avoid the risk of getting caught up in all that shitcoinery and, and the fallout that's coming. I think there's just a major lack of understanding of custody and then they want to overcomplicate things. and They don't understand that sound money is the real problem. And the problem actually isn't that complicated. It's the solution that's complicated. So they're, they're focusing on the complicated thing that, but there's already a solution to it and Bitcoin's that solution. So it's like, it, that's what I've, I've noticed when I talk to more and more people is they just don't understand what it really means to have custody and, and to have sound money. And it's a sad thing really. Because, well, then they start putting their money in Robinhood and they think they actually own Bitcoin because they see their Robinhood account. Like, I, I always remind myself of that. Or, um, there's this Dogecoin millionaire guy, and he'd be on all these YouTube videos, right, when Dogecoin was the thing. And he'd be showing his Robinhood account. And he's like, look, I'm a millionaire. Here's my Robinhood account. And I'm like, you're not a millionaire of anything. You don't own shit. Robinhood owns that. You, you better hope that app's there when you want to sell it. You better hope when the, the timing's right, that app opens for you and everything works and you can log in and all that. And it doesn't freeze on you. 
And you better hope that when you send that, you're going to be able to use your bank to get it out. You better hope that the currency that you're using is solvent enough as well. So it's like that huge funnel to get the money out is, is in play. And people don't understand that if you take it out and you take custody of it, well, then now you're, you have the solution. You don't have to ask anybody permission. So I always try to remind people, like, how, how much permission do you need to ask to have access to your capital? And, and then it just changes their whole scope of things. Yeah, that's a damn good point. All right, we're at the end of the show. So let's go around and get some closing thoughts from people. And then we'll wrap Crypto Couple. Good morning. You haven't had a chance to talk yet. Good morning. How are you doing? Hello, hello. Uh, we're back from unconfiscatable. I guess first some closing thoughts would just say we are incredibly stoked for Bitcoin Miami. Just uh, coming out of our first Bitcoin conference uh, in Vegas this past weekend. Uh, shout out to Tone Vase and the crew there. They did a fantastic job. Um, some of the people on here today, Mark Moss, uh, was on a few panels, gave some fantastic talks. Uh, and just meeting people in person. We found ourselves in the hotel room next door to Greg Foss and all of a sudden hearing his voice through our walls. And we were like, wow, that sounds really familiar. Uh, and so, you know, meeting people who you recognize right away and then meeting Weather people alert. like Other Bitcoin way. Gandalf. Oh, and excuse me, I'm driving right now. The car just went crazy. But yeah, really excited to uh, meet and greet a lot of Bitcoiners in the meat space. I think there's no substitute for in-person conversations as great as these are it's like man you can't beat shaking somebody's hand and having a beer god that's a great story that cracks me up i can only imagine being in the room next to uh greg foss and and hearing him tell people who have a uh a greg foss bingo board to fuck off through the wall <laughs> Oh, I mean, it was what one thing leads to another and we're sitting in his room with him having, you know, a beer and talking about credit default swaps and, you know, the Royal Bank of Canada and his time there. And so it's like life is life is wild. So funny. OK, Jeff, any uh, closing thoughts? Uh, just that it was really fun to be up here. Thanks for having me up, guys. I, I'm just ecstatic about the conference and getting to meet. This will be actually my first Bitcoin conference. So I'm just really excited to meet a lot of you in person uh, as as uh, you guys were saying, like, just, you know, shake a hand, give a hug, have a beer together. I'm really looking forward to it. So so uh, thanks for having me up here today, Alex. It was a lot of fun. Heck yeah, you bet. Okay, we're going to go with Stacy, and then we'll give Jimmy the last word. Stacy, any thoughts? Yes, I am super, super excited. I'll echo what the crypto couple were saying there for Bitcoin 2022. It was, um, you know, we, we attended the very first Bitcoin conference, which was in 2011. And there were about 30, 40 people at most. And uh, it was a different sort of experience in some sort of abandoned school in Prague somewhere, some abandoned suburb. And it is way more exciting to be surrounded by thousands of optimistic people. And it's filled with hope and good times in these troubled times in the fiat world. Amen to that. Jimmy. Well, you guys know about the announcement. If you got anything late, uh, thank God for Bitcoin 2022 is happening April 6th, right before Bitcoin 2022 on April 7th and 8th. Um, come get to know some other Christian Bitcoiners if you have to be Christian. And it's going to be a good event so that you can actually get to know some people and interact with some people before you go to the much bigger event with 30,000 people. So 
uh, we're we're gonna have a lot of uh, speakers that are both Christian and uh, you know into Bitcoin. Um, you know, we're we're finalizing the speaking list and the venue and all that stuff. But we would love to see you there, uh, and you know, fellowship with other Christians, right? And you know, there there's obviously a lot of uh, weird stuff that goes on in Miami. Uh, so this is a good way to start the whole thing off on the right foot, and we hope you can make it. Awesome. Hey, really appreciate you coming by, Jimmy. That was really cool to have you here today. And as well as all the other guests we've had, um, just thanks so much. You have been listening to Cafe Bitcoin. We do this every day, Monday through Friday. We start at 7 a.m. Pacific, 10 a.m. Eastern. We roll for two hours to talk about all things Bitcoin. This is the place to get your morning news on Bitcoin and becoming the preferred hangout for some of the smartest people in Bitcoin to just drop in, talk about what's going on, it's also a podcast out on Spotify, Apple, everywhere you get your podcasts. Throw a follow to Swan Bitcoin to be notified of when that drops. Go to Bitcoin 2022 in Miami. It's going to be amazing. Promo code Swan for 10% off. If you're new to Bitcoin, this is a great place to learn, guys. You're welcome to come in here anytime, obviously. We're happy to help you out. If you want to ask questions, we'll be kind to you, I promise. Thanks to the co-hosts, Swan Bitcoin, Bitcoin Magazine, my crew, Ant Chains, Ask for Life, Jacob Pope's a producer. Special thanks to all the speakers that come in here, spend your personal time to help educate people, get them up to speed on what's going on with Bitcoin. Really appreciate you guys. I work with Swan Bitcoin. My name is Alex Danzig. I'm your host, managing director of Swan Private. If you have questions about Swan Private or Swan or Bitcoin, DM me. Happy to help you personally. And then finally, get on the mission. What is the mission? We got another 7 billion people, the orange pill people. Let's get on it. Let's do it. Peaceful path forward for the human race. I love all you guys. Everybody go out there. Have a great day. Crush it. Thank you.